The following is a Thunderbolt West Media production. I'm talking food preservation, world events, and I'm going to catch up on some of my letters. You are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. The storm was coming, the sky was on fire, fear was in their eyes. It's my opinion that we should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. This show features off-grid topics such as creating your own power, gardening, homesteading, and other issues related to off-grid living. I also seek to educate my listeners about survival and prepping, and I'll talk about anything from government corruption to chemtrails. Also, I feel that our constitutional republic is worth saving so I never miss an opportunity to do my part in helping to save our republic. I have two main goals for this show. Number one, to help you build your faith in God. And number two, to help each listener become as self-sufficient as possible. This show originates at the Harmony Barn Studios, located near Hershey, Nebraska, in the United States of America. The Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show airs on global shortwave stations WBCQ, Monticello, Maine, at frequency 7.490, and also on WRMI, Radio Miami International, on frequency 5850. And you can tune in to Key Radio, 89.3 FM, in Osage Beach, Missouri. And this show is also available on demand, on Spreaker, Anchor, Podpoint, Podpage, and Red Circle. My email address is jim at offgridliving.faith and be sure to visit my website, which is offgridliving.faith. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. This is Jim Calhoun, and I really appreciate you listening today. Well, I've got a nice show planned for you today. We're going to be touching on some ways to preserve food. I have a special guest. Catherine is going to be here today. And I really appreciate Catherine. She's extremely hardworking, and she's extremely intelligent. And I think we need to listen to what she has to say. It's just good old common sense country living, and she's an expert at that. And that's why I'm going to include her on today's show. And also, my letters are really piling up. I read every letter, and I appreciate every letter. And that goes the same for cards and emails as well. And I'm really falling behind with one listener that writes great letters. And she's one of many. As a matter of fact, I've had almost everyone that writes me that I mention their name on the air. They'll ask me please not to do that. And some of it's out of modesty, but others are afraid that they're going to get a knock on their door by the thought police or something. And I do understand that. That's the United States we live in today. 
We have people watching over our shoulder. And there's a lot of things happening that are really reckless. And one of the letters that I received mentioned something that's absolutely terrifying. And I'm going to read most of the letter. It's a very long letter, so I won't be able to read it verbatim. But I can pick and choose what I want to use out of the letter. But rest assured, I do read them and I do appreciate them. Well, since the listeners don't want me to mention their name, I'm going to give them a name to mention them by. And I'm going to use their own words as much as I can, and then they'll know exactly who I'm talking about. This letter that I received is absolutely wonderful, and it's from the nutty conspiracy theorist's sister who lives in the woods. Okay, figure that one out, everybody. Anyway, I really appreciate her letters, and they're uplifting. They're very informative, very intelligent. She is absolutely a wonderful listener and an asset to the show. I really appreciate her very much. And she sent me several letters, and I have several I have to address yet, but I thought, well, I would use the latest two, and I would address them, and then I'm going to work backwards from there. It's kind of kind of how I operate a little bit. Otherwise, everything's going to get older as it goes. But I want to start off by thanking this listener for the donation, for my newfound friends who had a fire in Washington and burned their homestead to the ground. A quick update on that. This couple is very strong. And they're the type that they like to give. And I'm sure they would give the shirt off of their back. And that's pretty easy for them. But to receive is another thing. Both are very apprehensive about a fundraiser just for the fact that they're not comfortable being on that end of the transaction. And I've convinced them that a burden shared that is a burden that is now lighter. And I've seen pictures of the devastation. They sent me pictures of the pets that were lost in the fire. And they were homesteaders. They had chickens, and the chickens were housed in a lean-to that was basically part of their dwelling. It was on the outside. It was connected. And they lost their entire flock. They lost their family pictures. They lost everything. And they lost years and years out of their life as they were trying to retire off-grid and be safe. And I'm going to be talking to them very soon, and I will be setting something up. But the person that wrote this letter, that nutty conspiracy theorist sister, sent a donation. And you got things kicked off very nicely. I thank you very much. I will make sure that they get that, and also I hope that we can generate much more for them. I will add they did have insurance, and so thank God for that. And so they're not going to be left penniless. But you know there's lots of things that insurance money can't replace. And I think that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to stand up for each other and help each other out. And so I will be devoting an entire show to this very soon. But I want to have an actual phone call with them and really set this up right. But I really appreciate the donation. Now I'm going to get on to the letter. It seems that this listener has been building a pond to stock with fish and also has planted some apple trees and thinks that that shows some optimism, and it does, but it also shows some stick to itness and some fortitude that you're not going to give up and you're not going to surrender. I think that it's great that you're forging ahead and living your life and doing what you need to do. And I really appreciate the updates of 
how you're getting things done. And to answer a couple of your direct questions, no, I did not hear Pastor Butch's show the other night. It's been so crazy around here that literally getting my shows out is about all I'm doing as far as listening to shows over the last couple of weeks. I like to listen to Pastor Butch, and I like to listen to Bob Bierman and Hal Turner, and there's several that I just love to listen to. Kind of strapped for time to get my shows out because I'm in the field all day and I come home after dark and then I fix my supper. And by the time I have supper, sometimes close to midnight, well, I'm just so exhausted that I do a little bit on the radio and then I just go to bed. And so forgive me for not staying as current as I should with some of the other broadcasters, but I think you understand. But anyway, this listener mentioned that Pastor Butch had a guest called Deborah, Deborah Tavares. You can go to Pastor Butch's website and go to his archives and listen to Deborah. Because my writer says she paints a horrifying picture of things to come regarding the government and confiscation of private property, especially rural land. She said cities and counties needing revenue will cite property owners with absurd zoning violations incurring unaffordable remediation and fines to force them off their own land. And she goes on to say that we can only hope this is many years down the road. Well, I hope it never happens, but I do understand, but I do understand your thought, but I do understand your thought process. And no, I have not driven my sandpoint well yet. I do have a very good friend that lives in the area who wants to help me drive the sandpoint and also video it and put a video up of how to do a sandpoint. Now, I know that there are videos already up online that do show the process, but he wants to run the camera. Not that he doesn't want to do the work, because he listened to one of my shows and decided to use a sandpoint, and he's very happy with it. And so he'd like to kind of give back to the program by helping me do a video on that. And again, it's just time. Now, I'm kind of skipping around on these letters, and they're not in any particular order as far as how I'm answering this letter because there's several pages. But two direct questions out of the letter is, number one, what my daily schedule is like as far as being off-grid and what do I do? And I always tell the truth on this show, so I'm not going to dodge this question, and I'm not going to be vague. But my life is pretty hard, and I live pretty hard. I don't like to live as hard as I do sometimes, but it beats the alternative of being controlled. But 12 years ago, I was in a horrible car wreck, and I broke over 30 bones on the right side of my body. I broke all my ribs off my spine. I, I crushed 11 vertebrae. And when they found me at the wreck, my right ankle was touching my ear. I was just a sack of broken bones, is what they scooped up out of the ditch. And unfortunately, that gentleman called Arthur... Old arthritis has got a hold on me. And so the only part of my day that I don't hurt is when I first wake up in the morning. I wake up and I say hi to my dogs and I lay there and I look at the ceiling and say, wow, I feel good. Nothing hurts. And then I think, but when I stand up, it starts again. And it does. So I have to admit that sometimes it takes me five or ten minutes to get out of bed just because I'm enjoying not hurting. 
and those that have chronic pain, I think they understand that. But once I hit that floor, I no longer let that rule my life. And so I get out of bed. Some mornings I kind of have to crawl out of bed. Other mornings I can get out of bed. And I get dressed and I go down and I take care of all the hungry mouths to feed. I have the dogs and the barn cats and the chickens and the cows. And I make sure everybody's fed. And then only after everyone's fed, I will eat something. And sometimes I have a real breakfast, but sometimes just grabbing something and heading out the door. And since I'm in harvest right now, in the mornings I try to go to the field and mow some hay or rake hay or do something to get my day started. But since I pump every drop of water to my cows and I'm off grid, I can't just turn on a faucet and leave. And I can't have things on automatic, no automation whatsoever. So I come home at midday and spend three or four hours watering the cows. And then after the cows are watered, I head back to the hayfield and I, I work until it's almost dark. Then I come home and then I feed my cows and I feed them better at night than I do during the morning. That keeps them in better because my cows have a tendency to like to go visit the neighbors once in a while and I can't have that. And they usually do that when the sun goes down. So I've learned to feed them at night and satisfy their hunger then. Then they lay down and go to sleep. And that brings the time to about 10 or 10.30. Then I'll come in and fix me some sort of a supper and have that. Then I'll sit down and do radio work until sometimes 2 and 3 in the morning. But the thing is, is that the arthritis kicks in really hard about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And from 4 o'clock on, every step is just, I have to think about it. And that really slows a person down. And living off-grid like I do, it's really hard to get the extra things done that you need to do when every step you have to think about because you know how bad it's going to hurt. And there will come a time that I won't be able to live this lifestyle. I knew that when I started. Because there's no explanation other than the will of God, that I'm still alive. And there's no explanation that I'm not quadriplegic. And I was hurt really bad. And it's the gift that keeps giving. And so I tell people, don't ever get run over by a truck. Because that's something that never goes away. Now I'm telling you this not so you feel sorry for me. You ask how my days go. And I'm telling you, that's how my days go. And my days kind of go as how fast I can move and how bad my pain is. But I still go gather my wood. I heat my house with wood. I do all of my hay harvesting the old-fashioned way, very labor-intensive. And just the other day, even though I was in horrible pain, I lifted and piled eight tons of hay by hand by myself. And eight tons is 16,000 pounds. And for someone that has the pain issues I have to go out and do that, I'm rather proud of. I'm proud that I can outwork about any 20-year-old you can find, no matter how good a shape they're in. It's because I have a good work ethic. And people do tell me that I'm being foolish, that I need to quit and just go home and lay down. But when I do that, physically I stiffen up so bad that I can't walk. And so I never sit down during the day. I never take a break. I might get a drink of water and look at a cloud go by for 30 seconds, and that's my break. Because once I stop, it's like being put in a vice, and it just grinds me to a halt. And then for me to 
get restarted again takes a very big effort to do, so I just never stop. And that's my typical day, seven days a week. I do have friends in town that I will stop and see once in a while. And I have a very dear friend that knows how hard I work and is afraid I'm not going to be eating right, so she will fix me a month's worth of food and put it in her freezer. And then ever so often I'll go in and she loads me up with food. And that's her contribution to the show because she's a listener to both this show and Truth to Ponder. So I do have some people that care that are watching over me. And I'm not trying to say this to get any sympathy or anything. It's just, it is what it is. And do I enjoy everything I do? Well, enough that I don't have any thoughts of changing what I do. And so if I'm satisfied with it and it's working for me, then I call it good. But the main thing that keeps it working for me is the fact that the more I move, the better I can move and the better I feel. Up until about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Then it goes the other way. But at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm just really getting going. That's when I have to be in the hayfield and really have to be working. And Sitting on the tractors is easy. That's my easy part. It's the picking up the hay that sometimes gets a little challenging, shall we say. And also the letter writer wanted to know if I have everything worked out as far as laundry. And yes, I have a washing machine and I have to run the washing machine at high noon because the machine takes quite a bit of energy because it's an old-fashioned type washing machine that's not very efficient. And as far as the big sheets and all the big things that really have to be laundered, well, I cheat. I take it to town and go to a laundromat. And that works for me. Okay. I appreciate those questions very much. And this listener also told me about how she has her chickens arranged, that the chickens are not molting or pecking each other, and and she's got quite a resort hotel for chickens, I think, the way, the way she described it. And I'm going to read one or two things from her letter, and then I'm going to get on to other things. Then I have to get on with other things. But she writes, I suppose some people think we're crazy to spend cash money at this uncertain time to build a pond for fish that we can't harvest until three years from now. But if the world falls apart, money hidden in a coffee can won't matter anyway. And I'm going to break in. Ding, ding, ding. Boy, is she ever right there. And this gives us a pleasurable project to work on together with a future goal. I even spent $30 yesterday on an apple tree seedling to plant near the pond. How's that for optimism? Well, all I can say is good for you. She went on to describe her garden and some of the things she's doing. And yes, I do agree with what you're doing. What she's doing is she's letting the plants grow their roots and make them search for water and not watering them until they really absolutely need water or else it'll hurt the plant. And what normally happens in nature is a plant detects the water is going away from them, the roots will grow down and try to grow into moisture. But if you're constantly watering your plants, then the root system will be real shallow because it does not have to go down to water. I do that especially with my corn. I wait until the corn curls pretty good, and then I squirt just enough water to uncurl it, and then I let it curl again. Now, I don't do that when it's tasseling or making corn, but early on, 
I do that. And it'll shoot a root another six inches deeper if you do that. Because I like to raise my corn dryland. And also corn imprints from year to year when you save your own seed and you use open pollinated corn. That corn will actually imprint on the seeds that it makes about the lack of water it had. And so you can really develop a drought resistant corn very easily with using that method. Just make the corn work a little harder. But keep your eye on it. Make sure that it doesn't stress too hard. But a little stress is good for a garden plant, especially if you don't want to water all the time. So I do agree with that. Now here's my favorite part of her letter. And I want to read this. And this made me laugh out loud. Meanwhile, we've been doing some erosion control on the pond banks of the dam until grass can be seeded. We could have ordered some of that fancy expensive netting from China, but instead I bought sacks of old sheets for a dollar each at the thrift store. Some are vibrant floral patterns from the 1970s, but most are bright white from nursing homes and motels. To tone down the colors, I shoveled some red clay, one of the stock tanks we use for rainwater, and then swished the sheets around to match the color of the pond basin. Ta-da! We now have inexpensive erosion control that looks like an enormous patchwork quilt. I already have other ideas in mind for the sheets later. Using and dyeing old bed sheets was a very Jim Calhoun kind of thing to do. But I thought that was so funny. Because we've never met, just on the radio here, but she pegged me to a T. That's exactly a Jim Calhoun kind of thing to do. I appreciate you listening to me so close that you know that I'm a tightwad. But as a kid, I hung around an awful lot of people that raised kids during the Depression. Boy, did they ever instill in me, waste not, want not, for sure. She also went on to say that she played my show for her chickens when she was out weeding, and the chickens squawked around a little bit, but then seemed to be enjoying the show, so I guess that a flock of chickens can't be wrong that this is a good show, <laughs> I guess. I thought that was funny, too. And I really appreciated the part of the letter where you said that when you were doing things and you couldn't wait to tell me what you were doing. Because that's what friends do, and I am making some dear friends on this radio show. And I really do appreciate that. So thank you so much. Thank you for the drawings, because they're absolutely wonderful. And they're to the point and very real. And I do believe that this listener, I think that you were ahead of your time. But thanks for the drawings. They're very, very good. Every time I think I've got through this letter, I see another thing I need to address. She asked me to point out to John, the listener that I did the show on about beginning homesteading, that it might be worth pointing out to him that almost any soil could be amended to grow good vegetables, especially if he has access to animal manure. And that's true. You can renovate any poor soil. All manure has good properties in it to grow vegetable gardens. So if your property has poor soil, you can take the time to compost and you can build up. And now the scary part of this letter, and I want to read it exactly as written. But I'm going to omit the name. And I'm going to read from the letter now. My librarian told me something this week I found very troubling. She wanted to send her daughter... $300 via PayPal, but couldn't remember her login info. 
So she tried to send the money through something called Walmart to Walmart. I'd never heard of it, but I assume that this person would have to put $300 in at Walmart site online, and then her daughter would retrieve money at her local Walmart. Now, that's just something that she supposed how that worked, because she'd never heard of it. Now, back to the letter. So then, after she had made the transaction, Walmart's financial services rep called to ask her where she got the money from. Now, listen to this close, folks. The Walmart financial services rep called and asked where she got the money from. After verifying all of her personal info, she didn't know why the bank would need to know more about her finances. Now, this is just someone trying to send $300. She went on to explain that she was a widow on Social Security and works 20 hours per week at the library for extra income. Now, why would a bank want to know that if you're going to send your daughter $300? Hmm. Back to the letter. The bank wanted to know about the daughter's income and what she needed the money for. Are you hearing this, folks? I'm going to read that again. The bank wanted to know about the daughter's finances and what the daughter needed the money for. That's when this woman got frustrated, and I'm going to add smart, and canceled the money transfer. Instead, her daughter drove 320 miles round trip to get the cash. She goes on to say, I don't know what this all means, but I thought you might find this interesting. Like you, we only deal in cash and rarely ever write a check. And they don't use debit cards or credit cards here or purchase anything online. Now, if you don't find that troubling, folks, what I just read, that last part, then you're asleep. You need to be awakened with cold ice water. If you send somebody $300 electronically or hand it to them, them wanting to know where you got the money from is a very scary question. And where did that question come from? Did it come from Walmart? Did it come from the United States government? The answer to both is yes. If you haven't figured this out by now, we're living in an oligarchy. And an oligarch is where corporations literally run the government. And these people want to sell your information. They want to use that information against you. And so if anyone asks you any questions of where you're going, why you're going there, how much do you make, don't answer. It's really odd that most people I talk to out in public, the first question they'll ask me is, so how many cows do you have? I want to say, well, how much money do you have in the bank? Or how many stocks do you have? Or bonds? But I don't. I say, well, some days it feels like I have too many, and other days it feels like I don't have enough. Or I tell them I have enough to eat my hay. I give them some kind of smart answer to kind of let them know that they need to back off from that question. And we are living in what I would consider a police state. People that write me letters and ask me not to use their name on the air. And most of them, it's because they're scared to have anyone find out that they're listening to anything that, that would be considered unapproved, like someone telling you that men can't have babies and really awful things like that. And also that our children are being targeted by pedophiles and all sorts of groomers, you know, that's that's really hate speech there, so you can't listen to that. But it's just amazing what America has turned into. But thank you so much for the letter, and I'm going to do one other 
and that'll catch me up a little bit on my letters. And this one's very short. This is a post-it note. There are listeners to the show, and they sent in a donation, and thank you so much. And the little post-it note said, Gloria and I are Christian sister and brother. She is 90. I'm 67. Thanks for your program. Well, Gloria and brother, well, my brother and sister in Christ, thank you for listening. I do appreciate the donation more than you possibly can imagine. I hope that my shows inform and enlighten you and help you in every way possible. So again, thanks for listening. Now, Catherine is a listener to both Truth to Ponder and also to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. And she's a dear friend and she's a wonderful lady. And everybody needs to have a Catherine in your life. Because like I said at the first of the show, she's very talented and she knows how to roll up her sleeves and use her hands. And better yet, she knows how to use her head. And I think it's wonderful she agreed to come on the show. I sent her an email, told her I wanted to record that after the concert if we could. But she did not get my email in time and showed up just for the music. And I kind of bushwhacked her and said, well, you're ready for the interview. And she's like, what interview? But she's a great lady, and we decided just to go for it. And like I say, she's another listener that does not want her last name used. And so I'm going to call her Catherine from Parts Unknown. And we only had the one microphone. And I made sure that the microphone was pointed at Catherine because this segment is all about her. And so some of my questions, you might hear that I'm in the background. I'm going to try to edit that to boost my signal as much as I can. But Catherine is a very good friend, very good person. And I want to tell you right now that she sent me an email after we had done all of our taping. And she knows how to can so many more things. She has so many things that she wasn't prepared to talk about since she didn't know about the interview. That she can help with almost anything as far as canning. And I'm going to give my email address before this interview and also after. Because she's agreed to help anyone that has any questions on canning. But you're to contact me at jim at offgridliving.faith, jim at offgridliving.faith. Then I'll forward the questions to Catherine, and then I will send you Catherine's answer. But I think it's very gracious of her to want to help all the listeners, and I appreciate that an awful lot. Well, without further ado, we'll go to the interview with Catherine. Well, we have Catherine. Thank you for being on the show, Catherine. Well, I'm glad to be here. I hope I can help. Well, I think you can. The reason I have you on the show is we're going to be talking about food preservation and some of the things that you've learned through life and also through your experience of canning, because a lot of people don't know how to can. Do you think it's important for people to learn how to do? Absolutely, yes. They need to learn. Uh, uh, they can get a hold of a ball canning book. That'll give them most of the instructions. Okay. And is, they, that, is that how you learned? Uh, that and through my mother. But my mother canned strictly water bath, and it was mostly green beans and carrots and tomatoes and fruit. You know how to do that plus other canning methods. Yes, too. and I pressure. I water bath the fruit and the tomatoes and pressure. She got a pressure canner later on. Her Melvin, My father helped her learn how to do it. And then I took it over. I canned a lot of meat, a lot of chicken, not much beef. Turkeys, I like to turn, can turkey. So how many years have you been canning? 
too many to think about. Oh, well, back in the 70s, probably. You mentioned earlier to me about scrambling eggs and somehow drying them. A cast iron skillet would be better, but I have a stainless steel skillet, copper bottom, and I spray the the pan. It's a big 10-inch skillet. Uh, I spray it with Pam lightly, and then I scramble up a dozen eggs in the skillet, and I, you know, scramble them. I don't add any salt or anything, or you can. You can add salt and garlic, but then I take them and put them in a de- chop them up really well. And then I take them and put them in a dehydrator. And they have a silicone layer over the shelvings. And then dehydrate them according to the dehydrator instructions. And And how long does it take to dehydrate them? uh, I'm thinking maybe 10 10 hours, maybe not that long. They get hard and crisp. And you don't have the oil in it because the oil will not dehydrate. You know they're dehydrated when they're crispy. Yeah, when they're not nice and dry. Okay, then what do you do with them? Just bag them up, sealer bag. Okay, like a Ziploc? Either that, or if you've got one of these uh, vacuum sealers, food sealer. vacuum sealer. Okay, how long do they last, you think? Several years, I'm sure. That's good. <laughs> and there's a lot of protein in eggs. Yes. And so that's something everybody could do. Yes. And I imagine that, you know, if you didn't have a dehydrator, you could probably use a low heat uh, with maybe elevation off that, just anything to dry them out. Yeah, I would think so, or possibly an oven, an oven. oven, possibly. Yeah, low, lowest setting yeah. with maybe a little gap opening mm-hmm. on it or something. Yeah, how hot does your dehydrator get? Do, do you know? I usually run it, I think uh, for that would be 145, something like that. Okay, so an oven would be a little warm if you didn't open the door. Yeah. Okay, so open, probably crack the door a little bit. That would be, someone would have to experiment on that. Yeah, that would be experiment. And uh, my neighbor takes them and uses a freeze dryer. I scramble them up, and then I freeze them. And then lately he's told me not to freeze them, but I break them all up in little bitty chunks. And then he freeze dries them. What else do you put to your dehydrator? Oh, I put uh, carrots, uh I chopped up last year, I made uh, chips from summer squash, sliced them real thin, sprinkled them with paprika, garlic, salt, whatever you like, Mm. and run them through the dehydrator, and that's per dehydrator instructions for the temperature, and then time, you just have to check them till when they get crisp. Okay, so you've done a whole lot in your dehydrator. Yeah. You'd recommend people buy a dehydrator. Oh, yes, yes. I've been recommending people buy one or else make one, a solar one. Uh, mm-hmm. How much are they cost-wise, I mean, to buy one? Uh, You've had yours for years. but I've had it for several years, probably two to $300. Okay. It's a great investment. If you I, got, I got a more expensive one, a Leem brand okay. is what I got. But if you look at the price of vegetables, on like canned vegetables or frozen vegetables in, in a store, it doesn't take long to pay for two or $300. No. No, and, and you take your fruit. Uh, I, I dehydrate apples and pears and peaches, all of that fruit, and, you know, make it in slices. And So do you help, you and your neighbor help with freeze-drying animals? Yeah, he gets the eggs from me, 
But does he do any freeze drying for you? Does he freeze dry anything of yours to give back to you? Just the eggs, and uh, I don't think anything else. I don't think I've had him do anything okay. else. But you do have that resource that you yes. can help each other. Yes. Oh, yeah, we help each other back we, and forth. We really need to do that yeah. as a society. That's, that's good. Yeah, they plant their potatoes in, in my garden and corn, sweet corn. Okay. So we work back and forth. So how big of a garden do you have? Uh, it's uh, about 60 by 100 and... Oh, maybe maybe by a hundred foot. 60. So just a little tiny. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a sixty foot row. Yes. I get. <laughs> that, that is that is amazing. So, how many hours a day do you have to do to be out there? To uh, all my spare time. Yeah, because I don't I don't have time. I'm raising chickens as well. I'm trying to. I put hay down for mulch for the garden, since I have no livestock to feed the hay to anymore. And so that keeps the weed down, suppresses weeds. Yeah. And we, we till it up and get it ready after this stuff comes up, and then we mulch it really heavy with the grass and the alfalfa. And so you've been gardening your whole life, haven't you? Yes. You've mentioned chickens. Uh, how many chickens do you have? A lot? <laughs> Over a hundred. <laughs> wow. I, well, that's good. I, got, I hatched out a whole bunch of baby chickens. And, I'm trying uh, to hatch out some. I, they haven't set yet. I haven't mm -hmm. got them to set yet. But yeah, they're kind of iffy on that. I tried that, and she broke an egg or two, and that was the, that was the end of that. So you're you're using a hatcher. I have an incubator. An incubator. I got a couple. Well, I've got several incubators. Two of them turn it automatically. I was and going to ask you: Do you would you recommend to get the automatic turn and the yes. temperature? It's going to yes. Be automatic. Yes. The others, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to have spoiled eggs. Yeah, and then I, the others that don't turn, when you're supposed to stop turning the eggs three days before they hatch, I switch them over into the other incubator and hatch them out because I don't want all the dirty manure and you know baby chickens make a mess when they're hatching. And uh, I try to keep my good two Turner incubators clean, and my others two can be for hatching them out. Okay, that's, that's a smart idea. So mm -hmm. how many did you hatch out? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've got uh, 30, probably over 30 chickens I hatched out. And okay. then the, the little silkies they hatched out, I let them hatch their own out. And then took them away, and I, I think I got a dozen little fluffy silkies, okay. white ones. So what's your favorite breed of egg producing? Uh, if you really want a lot of eggs, leggerns are good. They're flighty. But I'm leaning more to the, the Orphingtons or the Bard Rocks. Yeah, I like, I like all three of those. I, I used to have a bunch of Bard Rocks. They're, they're a good chicken. Mm-hmm. And then I've, I've started going to the what they call the Whiting True Blue from McMurray Hatchery. They're a multicolored chicken. They can be any color, but they lay blue eggs constantly. And my neighbor thinks they're healthier. He likes them to eat better. Well, do you have any advice for anyone that's homesteading or anyone that's just getting started in food preservation? Do you have any advice for them? I would say look on the internet. You'll find a lot of things on the internet that won't be helpful. Some things are pretty iffy sometimes. But get yourself a canning book and follow the instructions in the canning book. 
and do that. And I, I have learned through the internet, and it turned out really well, to can potatoes. How do you do that? I used to can them in water, peel them, and, right. and they'd be cloudy and they wouldn't be the greatest. So what I do now is they said to peel your potatoes, make sure there's no spots on them. You can slice them or dice them or chunk them however you want. The smaller pieces, you'll get more in the jar. And rinse them three or four times to get the starch out of the raw right. potato. And then drain them a little bit. Put them in the jar, raw, no liquid, and can them at 15 pounds pressure, depending on your location, for about 45, 40 to 45 minutes. So you're pressure cooking right inside the in, yeah, they're inside, inside the, jar. the jar with no liquid. Okay. Now you can add butter and you can add salt if you want, but I prefer them to be just plain, and then I can use them for potato salad, mashed potatoes. You can use them for anything, and they are a lot better. Sounds they might like have good. a little brownish tinge on spots next to the jar, but they are good. Do you pickle anything at all? I refrigerator pickles. I do those. My mother used to do uh, bread and butter pickles, and I thought I might try that. She had a crock, and we had to soak and I didn't get into it. I do a lot of trial and error. Well, that's why I think you're a good resource for the show, is because you're not afraid of anything. Mm -hmm. If you want to try it, you try it. Yeah. A lot of people are going to start canning, and they're going to fail mm -hmm. at first, because... If they're not really watching temperature, if they're not mm -hmm. really precise on time or mm -hmm. whatever. Do you have any recommendations for people that are just starting out of just how to get that stick to it attitude where they won't give up? My first advice would be to get a, a canner that's a metal to metal seal. Okay. You don't have to worry about getting this rubber seal. And it's always metal to metal. Okay. And it'll have a gauge on it, and it'll have one of those little bouncer things on it now, the new ones. And uh, follow your instructions. Don't screw your lids on extremely tight. Just make them snug, because if you screw them on too tight, they're going to bulge. And the, the, it needs to have liquid evaporate while it's cooking. It. And if you take the lid off too quick, like my neighbor, she canned uh, broth. And it was, temperature was down, but then when she took the lid off, it was sizzling out of the jars. And it scared the daylights out of her. Well, it was no harm done. It's just that it needed to cool more. So have patience is what you Yes, saying. yes. And don't get scared of it. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I'm going to try to have you back because you want to do this. Okay. Uh, several times, uh, you know, a season. Okay. And so... I think we've touched on everything I wanted to talk about. Uh, you say you can meat. I want to, before you go, uh, the, the canning chicken. Chicken can be bothersome as far as the, you know, being healthy and spoiling and things. Oh. You have to do chicken right. How do you can your chicken meat? Well, after I uh, process, butcher them out, and then uh, I soak them in water, you know, to get them clean, make sure you get all the, the feathers and whatever off, because I don't, pluck my chickens, I skin my chicken. Because I don't like plucking in the hot water and me carrying is not good. So I skin them, and then I put them in the jar raw, cram them in there however they fit, and don't add any liquid. 
you drain your chicken, make sure it's pretty dry, you know, pat it with a towel, and uh, put it in there raw. And then you put it in your pressure canner. And I think it takes 90 minutes, okay. uh, probably 15 pounds pressure. And that, that will keep, you, keep it safe and it'll cook it. I've got, I've got canned chicken that is back in 2009 or before. It's still just as it's good as just it's okay. It you know it's might have a little taste of bone to it where it's been there so long, but it's perfectly fine. And I've canned deer meat, and I've got that from 2009, 2008, somewhere in there. And I need to get some turkeys because I like turkey and I'm out of turkey. Well, I want to thank you for coming in and being a guest today. Oh, I appreciate it. If I can help, I'm glad to. And I want, I want to thank you for being a listener. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Very much. oh, I'm a faithful listener. <laughs> That's good. Well, we are going to do our best to get you back as needed. And one more thing on world events and everything. How important is it that we really buckle down and learn these skills? I mean, in your opinion. Yeah, I think it's very important. important. I think we're going to we're going to see a time where uh, we're going to be without electricity and uh, without any communication. So you think it's going to get as bad as I think it's going to get? I'm afraid it will. And that's one thing I'm proud of this show on is I try to come up with solutions. I don't just say, this is wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Yeah. And that's your part of the solution. Okay. You know, what you're doing is, first of all, taking care of you then no one has to take care of you. So mm -hmm. freeze up to help someone else. Yeah. But as you train people and help people out, hopefully that will be contagious and other people will do the same thing. Yeah. And we're not going to get any help from Washington or any no. place like that. We're going to, it's going to be, it's going to be we the people. Yeah. And so that's what we're all doing right here. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, then you need some questions answered or, Anybody has questions or something and you don't can't answer it, I'd be glad to help. Okay, so what they'll do is they just email me. And yeah, and then you can, and yeah. I can re email you back. Sounds good, and you're willing to help, huh? Yeah, I'm willing to help. Oh, that's great. Oh, <laughs> well, thanks, Catherine. Appreciate oh. you being on the show. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I want to thank Catherine again for a great interview. She's very knowledgeable, and take advantage of this offer that she has given me that she'll help anyone that has a question as far as food preservation. And again, contact me at jim at offgridliving.faith, and then I'll forward the question to her, and then I'll send you an answer from my email. I really think we need to learn all these skills. And before I get into the world events, I'm going to talk about two skills that you really have to develop over the next few weeks, months, years. As a matter of fact, for the rest of your life, keep developing these two skills. It'll serve you well. First is your mind. Do things to stimulate new thoughts. Try new things. Read. Get away from television and all these things that do nothing but just pollute your mind. Really feed your mind with worthwhile information. Stimulating reading and also conversations. Pay attention to your surroundings, as in the trees and the sky and your house and 
your family and everything that is a part of your life, really focus on it and really tune into it because we kind of take things for granted. We know we have a tree in the front yard. We know it's a pretty tree, but we never look at it. We'll take some time to do little things like that. Stimulate your mind. Look at all the routines you have going in your life and try to break some of those routines and try something new. Because right now we have the world trying to dumb us down and turn us into basically livestock where we can be herded into a corral. So you have to be able to think outside the box. And to do that, you have to really stimulate your mind and you have to do things to wake up that part of your mind that maybe has been asleep for a while. So jolt that back into action. Exercise your mind. Make it work hard. Because I think that will really pay off. The other thing is your hands. It's only by using our heads in conjunction with our hands that we're going to be able to survive this mess. Now I know I say that every week, and every week it seems like nothing really happens. But does it not really happen? Well, I wish that was the case, but every week we get farther down that slippery slope that if we ever do slide down in, it's going to be really a long, hard fall. And there's going to become a time where I think that using your hands is going to be something you're going to have to be able to do. I talked to someone just the other day that who claimed to me he didn't like to get his hands dirty, so therefore there were lots of things he didn't know how to do. And that's kind of scary. I think everyone needs to know how to at least attempt to do anything that touches their life, whether it be plumbing or woodworking or, or electrical work or anything at all. Just make sure that it's done safely. Make sure you know what you're doing. You certainly don't want to do home improvements like electrical and things like that that are dangerous without having a good knowledge of what you're doing. And if you don't have any skill at all, of course, hire a professional to come in. But there are things that you can do with your hands that are simple, like rewiring a lamp or other appliance. There are things that you can do within your home as long as you understand how to do that. And it's through your head you understand and it's through your hands you get it done. And we're living at a time period where I think that things are going to go backwards as far as progress. I know that we're already going backwards with our social type of things. And so know that a lot of your competition doesn't know how to think or use their hands. But if you know how to think and use your hands, well... If anyone's going to survive this mess, you're going to be among the survivors just for the mere fact that you know how to use your hands. So don't be afraid to get your hands dirty and learn some new skills and get to work. Because when it comes right down to it, if the nukes start flying or if we get invaded or whatever's going to happen, it's going to be up to you. In some areas, you'll have to physically clear rubble and rebuild things. In other areas, you're going to be helping people that are in crisis, that are going to be fleeing from the bad spots. And so you're going to have to know what you're doing mentally, physically, and especially with your hands. So please pick up some new skills. Not for me, but for you. And that's going to lead me into the world events. And the reason why I am so big on you being able to be self-sufficient is the fact that there's not any government agency right now that I'm aware of 
that will not look you right in the face and lie to you and tell you things are one way when they're really another. And so for some reason, the powers that be want everyone to be ill-prepared for what's coming. And they want people like me to be silenced. Now, they haven't singled me out yet, but I imagine someday there will be some attempt, other than the censoring that I get online as far as posting some of my shows at some of the podcast sites, but know that the world is getting more dangerous every day. I really foresee a time when all of Asia, with the exception of the Philippines, Japan, and South Korea, are going to ally themselves against the United States and the United States allies. I see a time where every country in South America and in Africa, with the possible exception of Nigeria, are going to ally themselves against the United States. And when I say the United States, I'm also saying NATO, because this NATO thing is just horrible, and and how they're pushing their weight around. and They put this alliance together, this North American Treaty of Defense, was a defensive organization, not an offensive organization. But what have they been doing the last 20 years? Offense. And so the group of NATO, that has been both infiltrated and also its philosophy has been changed by the people who took it over. And so we have a lot of rogue organizations that are not following their founding, they're not following their mission. And all of this mass chaos that's all over the world is definitely planned. And it's something that the New World Order elite Satanist people want to nurture, and they want it to grow. They want the chaos to become worse and more pronounced. Because the worse things get, the easier it will be for them to take over. And right now, they're going to go after our finances as far as our dollar and just coins and cash money. They want to outlaw that and go with totally digital so they can control it. And unfortunately, we have a whole nation full of sheeple that will just go bah and comply. And they won't care anything about cash going away. They'll say, oh, cash was dirty anyway, full of germs. All the things that we're told about cash to try to make us scared of it. And then also, if you have any cash money, well, you must be a drug dealer. Seems obvious that they're slandering cash and also slandering people that have cash. And it's sad. It really is. But it's all about control. And once they get us in the corral and we're totally controlled, then you're going to know tyranny. Then you're going to know injustice like you've never, ever seen it. And I'm sure that the people that actually help that happen, the useful idiots is what I would consider them, well, they'll be crying the loudest, you're not supposed to do that, not to us. Well, welcome to the party. Once we're in the corral and they shut the door, then we're all in the same boat. But right now you have a handful of people that are awake, that are on the air, and others that are not on the air but are doing their best to influence people. There's a handful of people out there that are trying their best to wake enough people up to where we can actually come in and save something out of this horrible mess that's coming. Now, what are my opinions on World War III this week? I think we're closer to World War III this week than we've ever been. 
I don't know exactly what's keeping the kinetic war that I think is going to break out and be totally out of control. I don't know what's keeping that in check other than possibly the patience of Russia and of Vladimir Putin. But I really feel that Russia is using several strategies, and one of them is not to fire until they see the whites of their eyes, which is a very wise military adage from years ago. Another thing Russia is doing is giving the West enough rope to hang itself. And boy, is it ever hanging itself over and over again. And every day Russia gets a little stronger, and every day NATO gets weaker. You have all these different countries flexing their military muscles, and it seems inevitable that very soon someone's going to do something stupid. There's millions upon millions of people worldwide that are going to die from a horrible war that didn't need to happen, that was planned by the elites because they want to depopulate the planet. Like I said earlier, they don't care how they depopulate it from war or famine or disease or something they make in a lab and release among us. They just don't care as long as it happens. The old term of being bombed back into the Stone Age is extremely possible. That's why I think you need to develop skills with your hands. So I think you need to get your mind prepared and your soul prepared. Get your hands working. And that means walking places instead of driving everywhere all the time. Get physically active. Get yourself into shape. I think that's very important. Well, I hope that you got something from this show today. I really appreciate you tuning in. And I don't like to spread fear, doom, and gloom. I like to spread answers, and I like to broadcast solutions and answers to our problems. And hopefully some of the things that I come up with are doable for some of my listeners. I've learned an awful lot from my listeners, and I know that my listeners are very intelligent and very much wide awake. And if you enjoy my program, I'd ask that you donate and also spread the word. Tell your friends about the show. I'd appreciate that. But I take donations as checks, money orders, or cash. And you would write the checks out to Thunderbolt West Media. And you would mail to Thunderbolt West Media. P.O. Box 163. P.O. Box 163. Hershey, Nebraska. Hershey, Nebraska. And the zip code is 69143. And until next time, everyone, stay well, keep informed, stay strong, but most important of all, replace fear with faith. This is Jim Calhoun with the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show. The song Step Out on the Sea is performed by Brit Small and Festival. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.